Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk radio show. Here's a quick announcement. Our November Heart-Centered and Passion-Driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine designed to help moms build a better future for themselves, their families, and loved ones is currently available at www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com. This month's theme is A Season of Gratitude. The magazine offers inspirational stories from our dedicated team of experts to help you navigate your current situation with confidence in your motherhood journey as the COO, if not the CEO of your family. So please go to www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com and treat yourself to some engaging, entertaining, and enlightening stories. You deserve it. As for our radio show this morning, my guest is Denise Show. She is the founder of Caregivers Wellness. A successful attorney and recent candidate for probate judge, Denise's world changed suddenly, pivoting her into a new personal journey of caring for her mother diagnosed with dementia. She used her active listening expertise from 15 years of practicing law to catalyze transformative healing and empower caregivers of elderly loved ones. The essence of her success came from integrating self-care and wellness into her caregiving lifestyle. Denise is a certified integrative nutrition coach. She believes being our best self allows us to care with confidence and compassion. Denise's story, Growing Through Dementia, was featured in the Chicken Soup for the Soul, Navigating Elder Care and Dementia. Earlier this summer, she also spoke at the Global Premier Congress on Women's Health and Empowerment Expo in Paris, France. Denise also contributes her caregiving wellness expertise to inspire others in our monthly digital magazine, Inspiration for Better Living, section Lovingly Parenting Our Parents. Denise and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and as a caregiver, how caring ourselves is as important as caring for our loved ones. Good morning, Denise. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing today? Good morning, Johnny. I'm doing great, and it's so nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. It is wonderful to have you with me. As November is the National Family Caregivers Month, it is this time of the year to recognize and honor all family caregivers who tirelessly care for their loved ones. And I'm excited to learn more about the industry and all the best practices you can share with us today. You know, I'm I'm really happy to be here to share that information because I don't think that caregivers can get enough recognition for all the work that they do. So, you know, it's it's an honor to have this platform to bring awareness to what is going on in this world and of care and um you know, the trials and tribulations that that people are going through that are not always visible. That's true. Very, very true. Let us start by getting to know you a little bit better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. And by the way, we have the whole 60 minutes here to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. So let's see. My grandparents were Greek immigrants, and so that really shaped my world growing up, my childhood. We had a lot of family gatherings, a lot of cooking and music. Um, celebration. There was a lot of love and support. I grew up on a Mediterranean diet, 
you know, as a child, I never had one family member take me to a fast food restaurant ever. (laughs) (laughs) And then as time went on, I went through school. I attended Duquesne University. And then I went on to Thomas Cooley Law School. And I practiced law for around 13 years as a single parent for the most part. I have two grown kids who are now living on the West Coast. And I have been a caregiver to my mom really for the last decade or so. She has dementia. She'll be 92 in January. It's going on five years now that she will be living in the nursing home, and she's actually thriving. She's very blessed to have a team of people around her that have been there as long as she has. So they know her. They've watched her journey with this. And through all of that, I ended up with an online business, Caregiver Wellness, where I teach carers how to pretty much manage their stress and create a resilient lifestyle that will sustain them through their caregiving years because it is a very long journey with chronic illness. It's not two or three or six months long. It's years long, as as I've indicated with my mom. And I really felt motivated to share my experience and make it better for others. When I started, we didn't have the awareness that we have today. So I would have loved to have had someone like myself, which is usually the reason we do these things, to guide my journey. Well, wonderful. That's wonderful. Looking back, when you were growing up, who were the major influences? I think I I had two major influences, really. My grandmother, she was a very strong and independent woman. Mm-hmm. She provided care for people, although in my with my cultural background, I realized as I was researching for another project that you know the European culture really we know there are caregivers, we know caregiving is going on, but we're not directly exposed to it, and that was actually my my experience but she she is just a very strong, independent woman. She arrived in this country at fifteen, not speaking a word of English and built a life for herself and and provided really strong family values. And my dad was a huge influence on me. He was very supportive of women, encouraged me to be courageous and go out and do things, you know, very supportive of of me going to law school. So, So they just really influenced me throughout my growing years. Very, very interesting. Is there a particular reason why you decide to go to law school? You know, it's interesting. So the the honest reason, the honest answer is that my mom really wanted me to have a backup plan. And I've noticed that her generation used that mm-hmm. term a lot. Mm-hmm. Everybody needed a backup plan. <laughs> so <laughs> that was mine. You know, it was my brother was in law school, so I followed him. We went through it together, and, you know, I I felt pretty compelled to to pursue it because my grandmother really loved this country. I can I can remember her saying, you know, it's it's so full of opportunity. You're a woman. You need to do something. And 
then my mom pretty much tried to Americanize me <laughs> and said, you know, you need to do this. So that was really the compelling force behind it. And then, of course, mm-hmm. I really did love the law. I mean, it wasn't like I, mm-hmm. I, I loved practicing and I loved, you know, just taking that oath to to uphold mm-hmm. the Constitution and all that. So I really did mm-hmm. love it. I had a, I had a fond you know, just a fond place in my heart for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. So what was the most memorable aspects of practicing law for you? I really, I think my favorite part was helping women. Helping mm-hmm. women, I had a, I practiced a lot of family law. I helped a lot of women go through divorce and custody battles and then ended up dealing with a lot of probate matters in juvenile law and so I really, I really truly cherished the trust that I had from clients, women, taking them from, you know, a family and having financial support and, and other support and raising their children and taking them on that journey of the unknown and going through that transformation to be coming out the other end as a single mom mm-hmm. who's working. Mm-hmm. Very scary place to be. And it was important to me that they came out empowered. Mm-hmm. I I really had a passion for counseling them and talking to them. I remember other attorneys kind of joking about that, like, you know, you talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and but and didn't build for it, but it was important to me. You know, when I went through law school I was half of the class were female. And then when I got into the courtroom, there were two of us. Mm. And it was very intimidating for a woman. It was very much a man's profession and, and very intimidating to a woman who was vulnerable to losing her children, her house, her financial, financial support. Right. And so this was really the beginning of my training in active listening because mm-hmm. I used that to empower women. Very, very interesting. That's really wonderful. You mentioned the fact that you were at one time a candidate for probate judge. So how did that come about? Yes, that that was a great experience. That was just at the time, I think, in the context of of my work, it was a natural progression. I was asked to run and, you know, the the timing was right, the circumstances were right, and I knew several other candidates. It was kind of all of us, you know, doing that thing, and I didn't see there was any down aspect, you know. If Mm -hmm. I won, it would be wonderful, and if I didn't, it would advance my career. My parents came up and worked the polls. <laughs> it was a very <laughs> exciting time. Yeah, they were standing at my kids' elementary school. It was a really wonderful time. So it actually became a family project, I guess. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did. That's wonderful. That's really fantastic. When did your life take a pivotal turn that eventually led you pretty much to your new career? Within the next year or so after I had run for judge, I got that call, that horrible call at 3 o'clock in the morning. I was living in Michigan, and my parents were in Pennsylvania, where I grew up. And 
I was told, my uncle called and said, you know, that my dad was in the hospital and I needed to get on a plane. So in the middle of the night, I was making arrangements and I went home. He had had, I think it's called ventricular fibrillation, something to do with the heart. And so a week later, he was gone. And it was just really traumatic. He was 69. It was totally unexpected. And then, so I stayed at my mom's. For like six weeks, my kids and my dog were with their dad, and I had all my cases covered, and I was blessed that I could stay with her and, you know, get her back on her feet. My dad did everything for her, so she was really, really out of her comfort zone Mm -hmm. on top of everything else. And then within the next year, I think, or so, we lost my grandmother and my uncle, who was my mom's brother. Mm-hmm. So, you know, inside of about 18 months, she lost her support system. And she was working. She was a baker. I I always called her a pastry chef because she really was amazing with all of her work that she did. And I could see she was struggling. And I, you know, it was really the first really hard decision I had to make to decide how to manage this. She had family, but, you know, people move on, Mm -hmm. and she was alone and not used to being alone. So I had to make that choice of whether to move her with me or to go back home. And I just felt like moving her would completely traumatize her and take her out of everything she knew, her house that she lived in for 40 years. So I moved my family to Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. and that was... I didn't identify as a caregiver. She didn't need care in that regard, although she did. I was Mm -hmm. caring from a distance, paying the bills and that kind of thing. Checking up on her, it was emotional care, which is recognized in the world of caregiving. But it was just helping her along and recognizing, you know, as a daughter that my mom was suffering. So that really changed the trajectory of my life. I became licensed in Pennsylvania, but you know, it was just a mm-hmm. it was a different different dynamic at that point. So this is the point where the journey began, but for lack of a better term here, the outskirts of taking care of your mom. Yes. The normal say procedures like you say in terms of paying the bills and so forth. So would you please share with us the early years of your journey into becoming a full-time caregiver for your mom? Sure. So in those early years, as time passed, I noticed her changes in behavior. Mm-hmm. And, you know, anyone who has dealt with a dementia, a loved one suffering from dementia, we all have this story. You know, there are always those rumblings, the beginnings where the behavior is odd and you don't you don't understand it. And and it seems that there's always a reason. My reason was that I thought she was really just not bouncing back from having lost everyone. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there were these just different odd behaviors such as we would go out for dinner and she would order the exact same thing I did. Her decision-making was declining. She was hiding food in her room, which was very very unusual for her. And I woke up once to her taking a shower at three o'clock in the morning and 
that was really scary. So these things were happening. There were changes. And, you know, people with dementia become masterful at hiding it. They they just know how to keep you questioning. <laughs> Is it me? Is it her? You know, and my mom personally was very skilled at this to the point where I just became accustomed to her behavior. And, you know, we all just let her go. I mean, she was fine. She was doing her thing, but these little odd behaviors and that that was the beginning of the true journey and I didn't recognize at all like the word Mm -hmm. caregiving was not part of my world and Mm -hmm. so we were sitting looking at a photo album and she was leafing through it and she stopped and looked at my dad and smiled and was making comments and yeah I didn't think anything of it I was cooking breakfast for her and she said who is this and I was blown away. That that mm-hmm. I was devastated. And so I, I I just I didn't even know how to answer her. I just my mm-hmm. immediate thought was, Does she know who I am? So I asked her that. I said, Well, who am I? And she just looked at me and hesitated and that was uh, just a huge turning point and I think that was the moment I, the word caregiver flashed through my mind. I think she had mentioned that she thought I was her nurse. And it was at that point where I could step back. You know, it was good and bad because I Mm -hmm. identified as a caregiver, which opened up a different avenue to me in terms of help in terms of what I might need to do next, but you're dealing, you have one foot in the past, right. you know, you're, you're grieving and then one foot in the future. So it's a very difficult place. And, and, and that is the journey that goes on for, for a long time. Well, wow. thank you very much for sharing that information. I think people need to hear the subtlety of things happening because when we live with someone, it's not, that sort of uh, an overnight spin, so to speak, rather than it's a gradual process and it's very difficult to recognize in so many ways. And we pass yeah. it off as no big deal. And so this is a journey in itself. So it's it's very, very, very interesting. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, our podcast available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. I'm Johnny Tan, your host. Here's a quick reminder to treat yourself to our November edition of the Heart Center and Passion Driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine at www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com. My guest for this morning is Denise Shope. She is the founder of Caregivers Wellness, a successful attorney and recent candidate for probate judge. Denise's world changed suddenly, pivoting her into a new personal journey of caring for her mother diagnosed with dementia. Denise is the certified integrative nutrition coach. She believes being our best self allows us to care with confidence and compassion. Denise's story, Growing Through Dementia, was featured in the Chicken Soup for the Soul, Navigating Elder Care and Dementia. Earlier this summer, she also spoke at the Global Premier Congress on Women's Health and Empowerment Expo in Paris, France. 
Denise also contributes her caregiver wellness expertise to inspire others in our monthly digital magazine, Inspirations for Better Living section, Lovingly Parenting Our Parents. Denise and I are having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and, as a caregiver, how caring for ourselves is as important as caring for our loved ones. Denise, what was the most challenging situation or experience you encountered for yourself? So I think the most, after after learning where mm-hmm. my mom was on her journey, I think what became so difficult for me and, and pretty much led me down a path of near burnout was just believing, and I, I do still believe this, but believing at that time that I needed to know everything about dementia and that I needed to walk this journey for her, you know, because in reality, even though my reality changed with knowing now where she mm-hmm. was, hers didn't change. Nothing changed. I mean, the next right. day I woke up, we behaved the same, but I felt the extreme burden of needing to understand dementia, needing to do things for her. You know, you panic because all of a sudden you don't know where the limitations are now. You know, can mm-hmm. she be left alone? What does she know? So I, I really tried to care harder for her. And it led me to an identity crisis, to be clear about it, because you really lose sight of where I lost sight of where my world ended and hers began. Mm-hmm. Everything became about her. And I just lost perspective on the situation. And I think that was the most difficult time. Acclimating, understanding that, you know, this was now my journey, that she was on hers and doing her thing. And I was blessed that I did not have to deal with anger or a violent behavior, which so, so many caregivers have to deal mm-hmm. with, so many. We never know how dementia is going to affect our loved ones. For me, mm-hmm. with my mom, it actually peeled back her layers, and she became very soft and loving. Not that she wasn't. <laughs> she was pretty much a type A, and, you know, growing up and so this was a new side to her and there was confusion there were hard times it wasn't you know all all sunshine and rainbows but i was blessed in that regard that caring mm-hmm. for her was not as difficult as understanding the journey myself very interesting was hiring a full-time professional caregiver an option for you so, yeah, I I didn't really know then what my options were. Things just weren't as, you know, advertised as they are now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was still learning my way, finding my way. I didn't know who to contact. And I did have my brother helping me once in a while. He was close by. So we did work together. He was busier with his family, but... You know, I had respite on hand when I needed it. But the other thing was my mom was afraid. 
and very uncomfortable when I wasn't around, which is part of the exhausting journey. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they want they want you around 24-7. They're asking you the same question for three days. So I was very just, you know, not sure of of hiring somebody to come in because I felt it would add to her fear, to her mm-hmm. uncertainty. It, it's very difficult watching. Like, they, they are fearful. They know what's happening to them. They know they feel very insecure and very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to add to that. So it was probably an option that I didn't really consider at that time. Interesting. Interesting. Well, our background certainly helped us to navigate life. And so in your situation, did your years of being an attorney that everything is structured and so forth in some ways help you to navigate your caregiver's journey? Mm-hmm. You know, it did because as an attorney, I learned to control my emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just part of the practice. And so when I was on that slippery slope, I think I think that mentality, that practice, and and being able to step back and look at the big picture is really what turned me around. I mm-hmm. I remember the moment where I recognized how far I had slid, just melting into the world of dementia and and I looked at the distance between who I used to be and who I was, mm-hmm. honestly. And I had to ask myself how I was going to live and think moving forward. I knew I needed a plan, and that's what I did for my clients as an attorney. You know, I walked them mm-hmm. through their journey, and that's what I needed to do for myself. And so I needed to, you know, find a way to make it sustainable and to strengthen myself. And because it wore me down, that's it, it wears you down caregiving. And so my goal was to feel whole. It was mm-hmm. to, you know, my mom was being brave and I wanted to survive this thing myself. A lot of caregivers actually predeceased their loved ones, unfortunately. And so I, you know, started doing the things that I knew how to do I thought of my grandmother, I thought of my dad, and I started walking and and just doing things on my own without my mom. You know, I Mm -hmm. I would leave her for periods of time and tell myself, you know, she's going to be okay. This isn't the end of the world. And eventually, as I started to feel better, that led me to wanting to really invest in myself. Mm-hmm. And that's when I found the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. I, I really believed that health and wellness and self-care and mastering that mindset and our emotions was the key to my survival. <laughs> interesting. That's very, very interesting. Well, I could tell that your mom is living in the present moment. I mean, that's it. It's right there. It's not five minutes before nor five minutes after. 
Whereas mm-hmm. you, on the other hand, it's natural for all of us, right? So we have yesterday, last week, last year, and then of course we're planning for tomorrow, the next week, next year, and so yeah. forth. So it's like fitting a round pack in a square hole, so to speak. Yes, yes, and 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 you learn with dementia to meet them wherever they are. You you have to be flexible and resilient. You know, which is why I do what I do. It's mm-hmm. it's not, it doesn't necessarily come naturally, but you you really need to just kind of move with them, and you know they they I I really believe she doesn't stress out because she's in the present moment. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, yeah, yeah, it's what yeah. we all strive for. So, but yeah, and I was I was constantly stressed about what was coming and how I would manage it and and none of it was happening. You know, it was mm-hmm. just everything like I said had remained the same. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. So when did you consciously see that a new career as a caregiver wellness coach really starts to take shape? So when I I became a certified health coach and I, I was really just noticing I had a a very high level of awareness at this point Mm -hmm. and noticing how my energy was affecting my mom. Like she was, she was actually moving along with me as I healed myself. Mm -hmm. She was doing better. Now the dementia wasn't going away, but, but she was calm. My energy definitely impacted her it impacted her when I wasn't doing well, and it impacted her as I did well. So, you know, it, but her physical health was declining, and it was very difficult for her to get up and down the stairs and get outside and things like that. And she was social. When she did go outside, even though she had dementia, she would talk to people. She loved talking to people. And I looked at her, and I thought, she's alone. She's sitting here alone. I'm the only person she has. I couldn't really maneuver her, you know, up and down the flight of stairs. And so I looked at long-term care, skilled nursing, and my goal was really to find the place closest to me. And I looked at the people, you know, the the feeling I got when I walked through these places. So I took her with me and we checked it out, and she was very, very happy. So I decided that was another hard, hard decision, but I decided to put her in long-term care that is four miles away from me. So, you know, now she was flourishing. She was, she had all kinds of friends, a social life, celebrated birthdays, holidays. Of course, I was there. I, I spent all my time there. And I met other family members, resident family members is what we call them, and they had, the nursing home had a family council, and I was on the board of directors for the family council. And during the meetings, it became very apparent quickly how much anxiety family members had. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of the concerns are legitimate and others are our, our, our anxiety, our fear, 
our anticipation of things going wrong. And so I took what I had learned and experienced with my mom and created a caregiver wellness workshop. Mm-hmm. And that was, caregiver wellness was born. I didn't know it at the time. But, you know, I was I was shocked by the amount of stress. Mm-hmm that resident family members have. So when you place your loved one somewhere, that stress of the daily caring doesn't go away. Very, very interesting. So what are the top three challenges for today's caregivers? I I would say the top three are isolation. Mm -hmm. We are cut off from the outside world, and we all experience that with COVID, but but it's it's much more intense for caregivers because we're we're cut off through you know through putting the hours of care in. So mm-hmm. you know friends fall off, we lose we lose conversation because we're our conversation consists of you know our loved ones decline or things of that nature. You know the stress. Mm-hmm. So it's a very isolating journey. I think. Another challenge is managing stress. Because carers have a huge responsibility, they're constantly worried. You know, if you, there, it's not unusual for a caregiver to take like a weekend of respite and go mm-hmm. to a, a luxury hotel and sleep for three days. I mean, this is just a very draining experience. And then there's the financial burden because mm-hmm. a lot of caregivers miss opportunities for career advancement, you know, Many are happy to have a job. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a tough situation. And so, you know, limits are placed on their income, on their opportunities that they can take, on travel. I would say those are the three top challenges. And there, there, and there aren't a lot of solutions right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think this is where we are in the journey is that people don't know how to cope with it. A lot of right. surveys were done during COVID and... There are online support groups. There are caregiver coaches like myself. But I think the biggest problem is the awareness of available resources. Mm-hmm. So there are there are places you can go online, like there's an elder care locator that will tell you what's available in your area when you punch in your zip code. Mm-hmm. So things like that, you know, there are there are things available, but you have to you have to know where to look. Right, right. Very very interesting. Well, nationally, two out of five adults now are caregivers, and that's a very mm-hmm. interesting statistic. I don't think we as the public are aware of that. And of course, this caregiving here, not necessarily just because someone finally got old or anything like that, because it covers the same concept of, say, somebody went through a traumatic accident, and then all of a sudden, it pivots the entire family or one of the family members to be a caregiver. So that's very, very interesting. How are they managing and coping up with the stresses of caregiving? Well, like I said, there are online support groups. You know, there there are, like, I, I... do coaching, I, I help people to see the journey. Mm-hmm. I always start out by showing them the entire journey and then helping people develop support systems. You really need to have 
a system in place. You need to have your self-care in place. You know, there are there are a, a number of things that I would say in terms of coping mm-hmm. that you need to have be a part of your day, a part mm-hmm. of your lifestyle to go the long haul. You know, to to actually build the inner resources to to sustain yourself through the journey. But I mean, honestly, people aren't coping. That's <laughs> it's it's it, it's difficult. It's it's right. difficult that way. And that is the problem. Right. Is that you know they're just getting by, and and the statistics are are really astounding in terms of the stress levels. So you know, but that's and and I create my programs to help them cope. Different different areas, different you know, different stages of the journey require mm-hmm. different tactics and practices. That's true. Very, very yeah. true. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, MixCloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. Here's a quick reminder to treat yourself to the November edition of our heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine at www.inspirationsforbetterliving.com. My guest for this morning is Denise Shope. She is the founder of Caregivers Wellness. A successful attorney and recent candidate for probate judge, Denise Wolf changed suddenly pivoting her into a new personal journey of caring for her mother diagnosed with dementia. Denise is the certified integrative nutrition coach she believes being our best self allows us to care with confidence and compassion. Denise's story, Growing Through Dementia, was featured in the Chicken Soup for the Soul, Navigating Elder Care and Dementia. Earlier this summer, she also spoke at the Global Premier Congress on Women's Health and Empowerment Expo in Paris, France. Denise and I are having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and, as a caregiver, how caring for ourselves is as important as caring for our loved ones. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Denise, why should nutrition be a significant part of a caregiver's daily routine? Nutrition is really one of the most important parts of of sustaining our health because I really believe that food is medicine. Mm-hmm. When we don't fuel our bodies with the proper nutrition, we lose we lose our health, we lose our energy. You know, I mean, in a nutshell, this this is a, a long conversation, but in a nutshell, when you eat real food, when you eat whole food, you know, greens and vegetables and things like that, they communicate with, there's an intelligence, and they the foods communicate with the cells in our body, and they nourish us, and, and our bodies recognize that source of fuel, and they know what to do with it. And it enhances our thinking and, you know, our our ability to resolve issues, to control our stress. Food has a lot to do with that. And if you're eating a lot of processed food, our body doesn't recognize that as fuel. You know, it doesn't sustain us. It doesn't it doesn't provide energy to the cells. So I'm a huge advocate 
for proper nutrition. It's a big part of my program. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. Do you have any tips for the sandwich generation caregivers in addressing their daily challenges? I do. I think that, you know, especially the sandwich generation where they're caring for their parents and children, they need to learn to put their needs first. And I know if I were in a room full of people right now, I would be getting serious eye rolls when I say that. But <laughs> we really need to to learn to put ourselves first because if we can't take care of ourselves, we honestly can't take care of anybody else. And it also sends a message to our kids, our families, our loved ones, all the people that we care for that, you know, we we trust them to help us, to delegate. It's a matter of self-respect. So we create boundaries that way. And, you know, when you are caring, you need to ask for help and then accept help mm-hmm. and accept that it might not be perfect. It may not be the way you do it, but it's something that's getting done. To set boundaries, like I said, you know, a lot of people believe that boundaries shut us off, but they really, they don't. They 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 create compassion. They fuel our compassion because that's what gets drained. You know, you have to learn mm-hmm. to pour while you drink. We We always talk about, you know, replenishment. And right. you have to be drinking with one hand and pouring into the cup with the other so that you're constantly filled up. And you need to create a personal support system. You need to have your diet right so that it mm-hmm. your food serves your body. And I think the most important thing is to recognize the signs of caregiver stress. You need to really understand where you're at and mm-hmm. if you know and to acknowledge that you're stressed out, not to just tell yourself to keep on going. We do that. We want to give. Caregivers will give everything they have. And right. and that can be that can be very detrimental to have the attitude that I'll do whatever it takes. That is not a good a good mantra to practice as a caregiver. And I think finally you need to really come to terms with the option of long-term care. And I don't advocate that because of my mom. It's just mm-hmm. that we fall into a self-blame game where we beat ourselves up because we think we're not doing the job right. Mm-hmm. And that that is just not true. It's just it's it's not true and women we all somehow manage to find a way to think that we're not doing it good enough. Mm-hmm. And long-term care does not mean that you didn't do it good enough. You know, it's it's a decision-making power that you have that That's needs true. to be considered, I think. So true. What should a caregiver take into consideration before hiring a professional caregiver for their loved ones? I think, you know, the this, this business is booming now. There's more mm-hmm. awareness. And I think it's it's a great option. I think that people need to as if they were hiring 
you know, a sitter for their infant. They need to look at training and experience because there are mm-hmm. many, many programs out there now, and you want to make sure that whatever your loved one is experiencing, the person that's coming in is qualified to manage. Because there are surprise events that happen, so you want to make sure, you know, that they're they're there for that purpose, that they're skilled in that. And some people, some caregivers are just companions. So, you know, mm-hmm. not everybody has to be trained and armed with all the knowledge, but it depends on what you're looking for. You want to look at recommendations and reviews. You want to look at, you know, whether or not you will have consistency in that person showing up and also if that person is going to be the same person all the time. And I think you can find that out through communicating with different agencies. You know, sometimes they rotate. A lot of people are under the assumption that if they, you know, if person A shows up, that person A will always show up. And so, for example, with my mom with dementia, if a new person came in every week, that would be difficult for her. Part of part of her thriving right now is that she's had the same caregivers for almost five years. So you want to do your research. You know, you want to look around and and see what's out there. That's interesting. Very, very interesting. Do you have any advice for someone who just found out they are about to become a caregiver for their loved ones? And one is by choice and the other one by a sense of responsibility? I would say that whether we are caring by choice or a sense of obligation or responsibility really can change the journey. But I think that to have a plan in place either way is is just the ultimate goal. So, you know, you want to learn early on what this journey is. You want to be organized. A lot of caregivers now, more than half, of caregivers actually provide like some form of medical care to their loved ones. They they tend to wounds, they they do feeding tubes, they deal with catheters, they deal with all kinds of things, give give injections, monitor blood pressure and vital signs. So, you know, there's a lot to this journey depending on your your loved one and, and what their situation is. So I would say organize a system for your documents you know, doctors, medications, the habits of your loved one. And, you know, you want to have a power of attorney, be an attorney for that. There there are so many things. <laughs> <laughs> really what you should do is come and see me. I mean, seriously, <laughs> you, need to, you need to see somebody, not to plug myself, but seriously, you really need to see somebody that can apprise you of your journey ahead. Because depending on, on the difficulty of what your loved one is experiencing, it could be you know, a, a long road and you want to be prepared ahead of time and not right. be overwhelmed by it too. I think that's the key. You want to be able to enjoy your loved one. That's the goal. You have this time left and you don't want to spend it, you know, all stressed out, missing missing right. this opportunity to spend time, Yeah. Right. This is not a quick fix. This is actually a lifestyle change in some ways, but you can plan. And by planning it, you can still enjoy everything that you have rather than being reactionary 
you can thrive in working out a new lifestyle adjustment. Yes, absolutely. It is possible. Very, very interesting. Where can someone go and get more information about you, the services you offer, and keep up with your latest happenings? Oh, um, you can email me at Denise at caregiverwellness.com. And you can also visit my website, which is caregiverwellness.com. Very simple. Wonderful. Looking back over the years, what was the most rewarding aspect of being a caregiver to your mom? I, I think really having the opportunity to spend time with her in a way that I never had before. She is very gentle, very loving, very happy. And, you know, again, not to say it was all all sunshine and rainbows, but really, and, and, and to open this world to me because caregiving really teaches you about life. Mm-hmm. It, it, is, it is a very special, it's not for everybody, but for anyone who, who steps up, you know, you're really opening your heart and your mind. And I just look back, she, this was a gift for me. Some people might think that's crazy, but that's the way I see it. You know, I, mm-hmm. I feel gifted that I had the opportunity to share this time with my mom, and and I still go and see her every other day. <laughs> She's a joy. <laughs> wonderful. That's really wonderful. You mentioned a little bit about taking care of ourselves and so forth, and that's a big thing for caregivers to do so, basically, as part of their regimen. Is having the right me time essential? And what kind of the right me time are we talking about here? It's essential, yes. I think, you know, we need to we need to have the time to just walk away from it and enjoy ourselves. There has to be a balance. And the the real challenge for caregivers is that when they do have respite, they're constantly ruminating about their loved one. That is probably one of the top challenges that brings on the stress is that we're concerned, we're worried, and, you know, we need to learn to just shut it down and practice taking that time off. Practice not worrying, and and there are techniques to do that, to build your resilience. But, yes, it is absolutely essential to to be be able to come back with perspective, fresh, Mm -hmm. you know, to offer that clean energy back to your loved one and to replenish your compassion because compassion burnout is a real thing. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. So what's next for you? I am putting together plans to write a book about my signature program, which is the journey. It's the entire journey of caregiving and what I take, the steps I take clients through. And then I am also creating new programs. This is developing over time. You know, with each with each new client, I, I see a different need. So I've created several new programs and, and it's growing and evolving. And I, I'm just grateful to be able to help people through the journey and keep people healthy. That's that's the goal, is to not need a caregiver ourselves. Very true. That's true. Wonderful. 
By the way, as we're closing this hour, since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? Oh, absolutely. So my recipe for living is really based on keeping an open heart. I really believe that is the fountain of use. I think that learning to check in with yourself and listening to your heart is important. So what I do is every day I check in by closing my eyes, putting my hands over my heart, and being silent and asking if there's anything I need to know, you know, to check in and see is my heart open or is it closed? Am I stressed or am I relaxed? Am I enjoying life or, you know, am I just barely making it through the day? And I listen and then I meditate four or five minutes. You know, meditation doesn't need to be long. It's the quality of it whatever it takes to quiet your mind and hear your heart. But I really believe that having an open heart and accepting what comes your way and navigating it is the key to happiness and good health. Wonderful. That's beautiful. Well, Denise, thank you for the good recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me two weeks from today, Tuesday morning, November 30th at 10 a.m. Central Time. My guests will be Susan Heim and Karen Talcott. Susan is a longstanding author and editor specializing in parenting, multiples, women, and Christian issues. Karen is the co-author of Four Chicken Soup for the Soul devotional books dedicated to women, mothers, tough times, and wives. Susan, Karen, and I will be having a conversation about their remarkable life's journey and their collaboration as co-authors of the latest Chicken Soup for the Soul book, Devotional Stories for Women, 101 Devotions with Scripture, Real Life Stories, and Custom Prayers. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a very blessed week. Denise, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a very blessed day. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you. Bye-bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.